The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the game preview edition getting you ready for Chiefs. Broncos part two and we're gonna do things a little bit differently uh credit Matt Lane for this idea not in the genre of the Maddie Lane games thank God but we have we have some fun fun ideas planned for today to mix things up uh and here to help me talk about some stuff is my dear pal find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina Matthew Lane you had a good idea buddy Listen, had you guys vetoed this idea, my next idea was a game show. So, I mean, fans, <laughs> those that like Youthful Regis and they're begging for his return, blame Kent and Craig for accepting this idea first. It was their fault. But I'm excited because sometimes these game previews, especially with divisional opponents, there's only so much changeover that can happen from year to year, let alone within the same year. So this is the second time the Chiefs are playing the Broncos. They play them twice every year. They sometimes get a little monotonous. They get a little boring to preview the exact same game multiple times a year over and over again when there's not wholesale changes. So this is just a fun little twist that still has a little bit to do with the game. I'm excited for it. I know Craig is right now. He's ready to get this podcast on the way, I do believe. Craig? Yes, yes, I'm very ready to get this podcast on the way. This is an opponent that we've all seen before. It's a team that we know that the Chiefs probably should beat up. It's a team that's going a little bit different direction than the Chiefs in the 2020 season. So I'm very, very much looking forward to mixing it up a little bit, trying to give you a little different approach because otherwise it would largely be the same sort of thing that we talked about the last time this team played the Broncos. So let's get to it. Yeah, they're going a different direction for the next decade, maybe more. <laughs> um, I like. I tried to set Maddie up to explain what we're doing differently, but he just <laughs> didn't. And then Craig didn't either. So we're three minutes in, and no one has any idea what we're doing. Would you so, like me to explain now? Yeah, Maddie, I would have liked you to explain the first time, but you can go now. Okay, so what we're doing is we're playing this new game that I created where I asked Kent to do head math and Craig to do spelling. <laughs> <laughs> no. So instead of previewing the game from the general way we do it is we give you guys three things on offense that we think the Chiefs offense can do versus the Broncos defense or kind of key matchups, 
three things on defense. This time what we're doing is we all picked one thing on offense and one thing on defense that we are wanting to see during this game. It doesn't necessarily have to be a key component to winning the game. It could be something very minute, something very big, but we're just picking things that we want to see happen from each side of the ball. For just be a little bit more fun way to put a twist on what we've said would be rather pretty much the same podcast you guys heard already this season. All right, Maddie, you go ahead and kick us off. What do you want to see on the offensive side of the football this game? I would love to see Martinez Rankin or Stefan Wisniewski or Yasir Durant. I mean, literally anyone else play on the interior of this offensive line. Not just because I think they could be better. I mean, they can't be worse, but we have to see what's there. Martinez Rankin right now is still relatively unknown. I think he had some promising film last year. He was an earlier round draft pick because there's some talent there. At some point in time, you do need to play him to see what you have. Is that a guy that can maybe start in the future? Is he someone that you're just going to move on from here shortly? What do you have? Stefan Wisniewski last year proved he can be pretty good. He can be good enough. He can be an improvement over anybody they're playing on the interior right now. Why not start working him in a little bit earlier? The offense should be pretty similar. You see your Durant's just seeing a new face. I want to see somebody else on the interior of this offensive line because that unit is very poor right now. They're not playing well. I want to see them replace all three of them by next season, but you might as well start now. And I think this Denver game is a good place to start. Yeah, it definitely is a good place to start. The Denver Broncos defensive line is not full of, you know, guys that are really going to be massive, massive threats to this Chiefs offensive line. I think if you wanted to get some guys integrated in, this would be the game. I understand why they maybe didn't feel like they could bring Martinez Rankin in against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and say, okay, you line up opposite of Indomitian Sioux, good luck in your first game back in over a year. Like, I think that that would be a little bit difficult of an ask for him in week one. It did not go well this for week, whoever we had out there. It did not. It did not. It really, it probably wouldn't have gone any differently if we're being honest here. But I do think that if they wanted to ease him in, this is more of a game to ease a guy like that in or a guy like Wisniewski or, you know, even Brian Witzman, who's on this roster. And I I know that Kent doesn't like that idea either, but Kent, look at the interior offensive line and tell me that you don't want to see literally anybody else right now. I want to see one of the five other options besides <laughs> Brian Witzman that they could put out there. Like, I'd rather see Daryl Williams than Brian Witzman. I'm sure Brian Witzman's a nice listen, guy. Listen, Daryl Williams could pass protect. Let's let, Let's be careful there. So... I, I just, I agree with Maddie. I would like to see a little bit of a shakeup on the interior offensive line because, frankly, they need it desperately and they need to find a couple more answers going into the playoffs. Try and find that, you know, Stefan Wisniewski type addition late in the season that they did last year. That made all the difference. If you can find that now, that may be the difference between them making a really deep run and then also coming up against a team with a good interior pass rush that can really affect Patrick Mahomes. There are moves that they can still make on the interior offensive line to mix things up and make it better. And they do need to try to figure that out before the postseason starts. So, you know, I obviously they're probably just going to find a five and stick to it. But, um, you know, hopefully there's a mix up here, or a shake up here, because I don't think, you know, especially like Andrew Wiley looked terrible. He did. That was one of Andrew Wiley's worst games in the last two years. Uh, so that was pretty rough. 
Just go back to the Buffalo game and look how excited everybody got when Daniel Kilgore got in the game. He played relatively well. I think a lot of people still think would like to see him out there over Austin Ryder. But just go back to the excitement of replacing Austin Ryder with a guy who is essentially a journeyman interior offensive lineman that the Miami Dolphins didn't really have much of a use for. Like Just the simple changeup is going to get fan engagement. People are going to be interested. And the performance did not get hindered at all when they made that change even for the next week, why not try to mix it up? Because it really can't get any worse than it is right now. All right, Craig, your turn. What do you want to see? This week, I want to see the McCole Hardman route tree development. We've seen it grow so far over the past you know, several weeks with him being in the lineup, the, barring the COVID week, obviously, for McCole Hardman. We've seen a lot of comebacks. We've seen some curls. Those have been good because those are the types of things that he needs to add in addition to those vertical routes. I want to see more of those comebacks, but I want to see some clean digs and some clean out routes from McCall Hardman. Over the past couple years now that he's been with the Chiefs, they've run some of these with him. They're a little more rounded. They're not on time. There's a lot of miscommunication between him and Patrick Mahomes when he's running these types of routes. Mahomes ends up throwing it to spots where McCall Hardman isn't because he's expecting a cleaner break, a harder break, and a faster break or a faster explosion out of the break to get to the spot like he does with the rest of his receivers. I want to see him add that to his route tree now because we are very clearly adding things to McCole Hardman's route tree throughout this season. That is wonderful. That helps him as a receiver. This is the next logical progression because you're going to have teams that are going to sit on these more linear routes, these comebacks, these verticals. Now you get to add some in and out breaking routes. Add those to the repertoire because then all of a sudden you've got cornerbacks that have to guard these guys that are way too fast that can do a little bit of everything and can attack the intermediate, the short, and the deep. And that's just going to help this offense immensely. So I think this would be a great week, especially a week without Bryce Callahan for the Denver Broncos. They're going to be a little bit shorthanded in the secondary. Get McCole Hardman out there, progress his route tree a little bit more, see what you got a little bit more this week. This is a good week to see kind of what another wide receiver can do you imagine well first of all the Broncos are going to play a lot of zone so this is a gonna be a good look at McCall Hardman showing advanced zone identification can he find soft spots in zone can he drift into kind of the weaker parts of the defense he's shown some improvement of that this year I don't think he adjusts his route grade on the fly yet but when he's running those comebacks he does a good job sliding into some of the open some of the soft areas you would like to see him continue that this week but when they are matched up, when some of these corners, when a Michael Ojemudia or a Isang Bassi or Devante Bosby have to run vertical with him, you would like to see him threaten all of those guys enough that he can snap off one of these other routes, get him involved more than just on the vertical plane. It's something the Chiefs have struggled to do with him so far. They have not been able to really get him working horizontally across the field unless it's a deep over. They don't get him working great on kind of the short game. So this is a week. It's a good matchup. If you want to test things out, if you want to give McCall some hands-on learning, this is a perfect week to try it out. I just wonder if it won't be until next year when we really start to see the whole route tree open up for him. It seems like they've just kind of kept him in this relatively limited role based on the short offseason. So we'll have to see. If it doesn't happen this week, I wouldn't expect it to happen this year. One of the things I've kind of noticed with McCall 
Hardman recently is, you know, when he's had some, you know, pretty sizable games relative to what he's had uh, kind of on the on the back end of that uh, of his production, he's been active in the early in the first 15. He's been active a couple instances in the first 15. He's kind of fallen off after that first 15 a couple times. It'd be nice to kind of see him maybe get some opportunities, you know, elsewhere in the game and not running wide open down the middle kind of like actual, you know, utilization, you know, running a route, maybe against man coverage, maybe finding a spot in the zone, running a part of a concept. I'd like to see a little bit of that. All right, for me, I want to see the running back passing game take a step this week. There's, It's December, guys. There's only so many more opportunities for this football team to really show what they can do with the running backs in the passing game. And, you know, we ha- I don't think we've seen the full reveal. I really hope we haven't seen the full reveal because there's so much that this team can do with the running backs in the passing game. They have the personnel to do it. We just aren't seeing the full reveal yet of what they can do in the passing game. Andy Reid, everyone talks about how Andy Reid always plays to people's strengths and all that and, and finds ways to maximize the strengths of these players. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is one of the best pass-catching receivers I've seen. I think he might be the best that the, that has come out of the draft as a receiver since Christian McCaffrey. I, that's how high I regard his ability uh, in the run game or in the pass game. Let's let's see Andy maximize a skill set that's very real that that we know and we've seen can be a dynamic piece to an offense. That is the one way this team can get even scarier is if they can find ways to get him operating underneath one-on-one against a linebacker. So this kind of goes back, I think, to your last point about McColl and this part here. Getting McColl Hardman or a running back right now involved in the passing game and just being a piece of it without a play being specifically designed for them is a little bit hard right now because Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey... Sammy Watkins, even Demarcus Robinson all kind of work so well with Patrick Mahomes that when he's going through reads, these other guys are just better fitting themselves into the actual flow of the offense than McCole Hardman has been or that I think this particular set of running backs is right now. You even look at the production and the receiving game these running backs have, it's when plays are specifically designed for them. And while I don't have a problem designing plays for Le'Veon Bell or Clyde Elair in the passing game, I actually wish they would do it more. I can buy the argument that designing a play for Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or McCall Hardman is more effective than designing a play for the running back. So it's just hard to fit so many weapons into the flow. I will say there's been multiple games this year where the Chiefs could use another player in the shorter areas of the field. Some quick timing passes to running backs when they're matched up one-on-one with linebackers or with good leverage versus safeties. Get the ball out to them, get it to them quicker, then start hitting some downfield vertical stuff with it. I would really like to see it. Again, Denver's going to run a lot of zone. They're going to force you to throw the ball underneath and find soft spots. This could be a week where you could start getting the running backs involved. I'm just running out of faith that's going to be part of the Chiefs passing game this year. Why did you draft a first-round running back if you're not going to use him in the passing game when that's his best attribute? That's what I want to see. Get the ball to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Get him in good matchups. Let him work. He is great in open field. We've seen him make guys miss in open field. What the Chiefs would prefer to do with him is put him between the tackles and let him use his exceptional vision, which 
it's been good. He's turned a lot of these runs into something a little bit more. We've seen some glimpses of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire between the tackles, but Andy Reid and the Chiefs offense have not used him the way that you would expect them to use a player like that in the passing game yet. It would be very interesting if they busted it out this week. I think that would be tipping their hand a little bit for down the stretch. I would like that to happen because then you're going to have defenses having to think a little bit more. You're going to have them a little bit off kilter, and you're going to be able to weaponize it a little bit more later down the line as well. I want to see more passes to Clyde. Target him often this week. Get him in space. Target him often. All right, players to watch. What you got, Craig? Last week, I said I wanted to see where Martinez Rankin was slotting in with the starting offensive line, and Martinez Rankin did not play. So this week, I'm picking Andrew Wiley. I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Even if Andrew Wiley does play, I think that this is a make-or-break week for Andrew Wiley. They have not brought in all these guys for Andrew Wiley to continue to start. He is the guy, him and Nick Allegretti, but they are the guys that have not performed up to snuff. Andrew Wiley has been a little bit worse than Nick Allegretti so far in recent history. So I am looking for him if he does start, if he does play, Put on a good performance. Start to give this coaching staff a little bit of faith that you can do this week in and week out, even against a bad you know, defensive line here for the Broncos. Show up, boss your way around a little bit more, try and hold on to that spot a little bit better. Otherwise, I think we're going to see a change there. I mean, and like you said, it's not a great defensive line, but Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, yeah. Mateen, like these are guys that are good enough to be a test. If I'm not mistaken, Draymond Jones actually had some of his highlight pass rush reps against the Chiefs earlier this year. He did. So play well. Yeah, play well, or, you know, maybe get the boot. My guy is going to be the Lizard King himself, Sammy Watkins. Came back last week. I think he moved well. He looked relatively explosive. He looked like he was healthy enough to be on the field. I don't think he looked like week one or playoff Sammy Watkins yet. I mean, I do think he was still... Now, that's a supernatural force, so you can't get that every week. I think, like, the earth has to balance itself. You can't get playoff Sammy every single week or it would just implode. It's not allowed. But he looked like he was healthy enough to be moving around. I like that. This is a week after Tyree kills a big game. I have a feeling that the Broncos will go out of their way to take him away a little bit, try to keep him held down. If that's the case, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins across from him should be able to find a lot of space against those that zone coverage underneath over the middle of the field. I think this could be a good week just to get Sammy back in the whole flow of things to where he feels like he is a number two wide receiver again. I am keeping an eye on Ty- Tyreek Hill. Uh, he is no longer the number one player uh, in receiving yards in the National Football League. DK Metcalf has surpassed him. Uh, it was a really fun, you know, 24 hours having Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey one and two. I want to see if Tyreek Hill can and can jump back or even Travis Kelsey, frankly, uh, over DK, uh, who who surpassed him. I believe he has 1,039 yards now to Tyreek's, I believe, 1,021, unfortunately. Uh, let's see if Tyreek Hill, obviously, I 100% agree with Maddie. I think the, I think the Broncos are going to try to take him away. Let's see what Tyreek Hill can do, though. All right, we're going to take a break, and we are going to talk about the defense and things we want to see right after this. All right. Things that we want to see for Chiefs Broncos part two this season. Maddie, what do you want to see on defense? I want to see this safety room. I want to see him step up here. 
I think in this first game, the Broncos were able to fight against the Broncos. They found some success running the football. I think the Chiefs safeties have not played good overall, but I think they've been especially poor in fitting the runs playing with their run defense. This is a game where you're going to get a chance for Juan Thornhill to kind of show why he should either be back on the field or why he's not on the field for all the reps anymore because his run defense has not been great this year. Daniel Sorensen's just a walking missed tackle, it seems like, in the open field. You want to see him clean that up. And then finally, Tyron Matthew has had a very up and down year. There's been some ups. There's been some downs. This week... And some tweets. This week has been the chippiest I've seen him all season, and it's been only on Twitter. And so it's finally getting to him. His level of play, whether it's people speaking on his level of play, whether how he feels about his own play, whatever it is, he it seems like it's getting to him a little bit finally. Does that carry over to the field? Does he play with the same edge that he did last year? Does Daniel Sorensen start becoming, you know, oh, Sorensen in the right spot yet again. Daniel Sorensen with the big hit yet again, rather than Sorensen being cooked by tight ends or missing open field tackles. And can Juan Thornhill get his job back? Like, is anyone in the safety room going to step up and start playing like they did last year? Or have we just seen the regression? This is what they're going to be all season. The reason that the Chiefs passing defense really clicked at the end of the season and why they were able to hold down a lot of the teams that they were and mount some of those comebacks that they were able to mount was because the Chiefs' safeties played so well. They played well against the run. They played well against the pass. They made impact plays. It wasn't just the consistent level of play that we saw, which was good. They also made impact plays. So far, the impact plays are still sometimes there. They're not there very consistently, you know, from a week-to-week basis, whereas we were seeing Tyron Matthew with big pass breakups, Juan Thornhill with interceptions, and yes, even Dan Thornson coming up with some big plays. We were seeing a lot more of them, and we were seeing a high level of play from a snap-to-snap basis, especially between Matthew and Thornhill. We know that Thornhill has taken a step back with this injury and this injury recovery, and this coaching staff has lost a little bit of faith in him, but they need to gain a little bit more of the consistency that they showed before. Tyron Matthews got to tackle better. Juan Thornhill's got to be on the same page as everybody and be able to cover some of this stuff. Dan Sorensen, actually Dan Sorensen's pretty consistent. Let's let's be honest here. Dan Sorensen is what he is. He's the player that he is, snap in and snap out. But the other two guys have to be much, much better. We got to see a little bit better performance. We got to see a little bit better communication. Some of that lack of communication snuck in last week against the Buccaneers a little bit. We started to see everybody not on the same page again late in the game, and the Bucs were able to capitalize. That has to be cleaned up. We know Drew Locke wants to give these DBs the ball. Come out, get yourself on a streak of making impact plays. Come out and make yourself a good defense again, starting with the safety group. All right, Craig, what do you got? Things you want to see. I know you just got done talking, but I let you know we let you go out there and and filibuster. But now, I want to see three defensive linemen that have a ten percent pressure rate or higher. That has happened four times this season of the eleven games that the Chiefs have played. Three of those. We're in the first three weeks of the season, and it had all three of us ranting and raving about how good this defensive line was, how it looked like this team was going to be able to rush the passer and really bring a lot of pressure with the four-man rush. Then we flipped around, 
And we've done it again against the New York Jets, who are frankly awful. The rest of the season, there has been at most two guys that have broken the 10% mark, but largely is just one guy coming in there and breaking that 10% mark. Sometimes it's Chris Jones, and he has an elite game, and everything's better, and everybody feels good about it. But as of late, we haven't seen the consistent four-man rush. So I want to see Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Alex Okafor, Mike Dana, Turk Wharton, whoever it is that shows up and decides that they're going to be that second or third pass rusher to really be able to affect Drew Locke in the four-man rush. There's a lot of money in this. There's a lot of assets in this defensive line. I want to see them do it consistently enough this week to notch above that 10% mark so that the Chiefs can maybe feel like that first part of the year was more like what they were, and maybe we can see Frank Clark growing a little bit more as a pass rusher. Maybe we can see a development as a third pass rusher. I don't care what it is, but it just has to get better. The pass rush overall needs to be better, and getting a third guy to even flirt with 10%, I think, would be a win, let alone to get above it. But I think part of the issue for the Chiefs, it's not just the pass rush success. It's The pass rush has been somewhat decent versus bad teams, kind of like Craig was saying. They've hit these marks like when they've played relatively poor teams. They've been able to accomplish this. But you can even go back to you know the studs, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. They get the vast majority of their pressures versus teams with losing records rather than teams with winning records. And I'm sure that's the same for most of the NFL. You just want to see that consistency throughout the entire season. You don't want to see it. You know, you don't want to see the fluctuation in terms of pressures that Chris Jones and Frank Clark have right now. You don't want to see six pressures one game and then one the next game like that. So this is a game, get right. This Denver defense or offensive line has played up and down this season. The right side's definitely the weaker of the two. The left side's actually been relatively solid. But this offensive line played pretty well against the Chiefs earlier this year. You come out and get one of those good Chris Jones games. Maybe you see Frank Clark get back to getting Garrett Bowles' number like he did last year the majority of the time. And then whether it's Tershawn Wharton, whether Alex Oakford, just somebody starts working DeMar Dotson over at the right tackle spot and you just get somebody up there with a little bit more of the pressure rate. Meg Drew Locke run around. Give some confidence doesn't seem like Steve Spagnuolo is too worried about the sacks right now or any of the pressure stuff, but watching the team, it doesn't seem like they get much pressure without having to blitz. Maybe your pressure rate is, you know, not going to work with the defensive line. Maybe they're going to have to keep blitzing, but it would be real nice to see somebody else get in on the action. A lot of percentage talk in this segment here, and I'm going to give you another percentage. Steve Spagnuolo. Pass rush is 70% once. That's a quote today from his press conference. Hmm. Ooh. That's a, that's a pretty sharp comment there, Steven. Uh, I, I don't know who, he's, you know, he might, be tar- he might be directing some people, directing it at some people. I don't know. I really want Treshawn Wharton to be one of the three because I always want Treshawn Wharton to, to thrive. <laughs> I just want him to I just want him to have all the good things. All right. My turn. Things I want to see. Defensive side of the football. Here's what I want to see. I want to see Chris Jones throw a touchdown. Let me just throw a little stat at you. Kent, the that's, Chiefs, Kent hang on. That's not the defensive side of the football. Yes, it you're, is. No, you're this talking the, about offense. This is the uh, this is an offensive guy's 
perspective on the game, on the defensive side of the football. And what I want to see, what I want to see is Chris Jones, defensive tackle. See, it makes sense. Throw a touchdown. We've seen Hungry Pig right. We've seen a uh, you know, variety of trick plays. And the Chiefs, look, the Chiefs have, have beaten the Broncos the last three games by at minimum 20 points. 30-6, to 23-3, 43-16. The last three scores of this matchup. I want the fourth to be a blowout on national television. And similar to Hungry Pig Wright happening with Dontari Poe getting to throw it on national television against the Broncos, I believe that was red on red too. I want CEO pass out of Sack Nation Wright. That's the formation in the play call. Direct snap to Chris Jones. Fakes a handoff to Tershawn Wharton. Wait, there, there are two defensive players on offense right now. You're right. Sack Nation. Frank Clark's in the backfield too. Let's do that. We got Frank. We got Chris. We got Turk. Don't throw it to Frank. We don't know if he can feel his fingers. No, no none of them are catching it. Because Eric Fisher's catching it as a tackle eligible. I'm more on board now. Two touchdowns in the season for Eric Fisher. Fake handoff to Turk. Pop pass to Eric Fisher. It, it, Andy Reid pats Vic Fangio on the back politely, but Vic's pissed. He's angry because of the score prediction, which we'll get to in a second. Editor's note, there were glares and silence for approximately four and a half minutes after Kent finished his bit. Now on with the show. I asked Craig not to talk about special teams, and yet here we are (laughs) talking about the little magnetic football game where you can just slap 33 defensive players on offense and still call them (laughs) defensive tackles. To throw touchdown passes. I don't even know what we're doing anymore on this we're podcast. Thriving. I think my idea was taken completely out of context. I think we should have gone with the head math game show. Things Maddie, have gone greatly downhill since Kent has got involved. You are not one to be allowed to talk about context ever. Should we go to should we go to players to watch? No. I know that the offense is the reason why this team is going to win another Super Bowl. I'm there's 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 no part of me, the defensive guy that believes that this defense is going to show up and post like 10 points, 10 points, 10 points in the playoffs and Patrick Mahomes can take the rest of the time off. They're not playing but the Broncos we, every week. We don't have to pretend like the defense doesn't exist, Kentavious. We can come out here and discuss the defense like rational human beings and not talk about Chris Jones throwing touchdown passes, which he certainly would be good at and probably is going to hit Eric Fisher in the flat. And I agree that that's probably going to happen. But we can also talk about how Chris Jones is going to have a strip sack that he's going to scoop and score on and have two touchdowns on the day, Kent. I look at the rundown and I see a perfect opportunity for you talking about pressure rate to talk about the strip sack. 
This is my time. You asked me what I wanted to see. Maddie on asked defense. us what I want. <laughs> he plays defense. I don't know what to tell you. Players to watch, Craig. Players to watch. Go. Okay. Tommy Townsend is my player to watch on defense. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Rashad Fitton's my player to watch on defense. Rashad Fitton's role in the dime defense as a slot defender has been growing smaller since Legereus Need came back. I think we saw last week some of the slot drop stuff that they've done, the stuff that they trust him to do instead of Legereus Need right now just from a playbook standpoint, not from a physical standpoint. But he's struggling a little bit with some more dynamic pass-catching options. The Broncos do have those. Noah Fant up the seam is a very dynamic player. Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, all these guys are dynamic pass-catching options that they can use on some of these vertical routes. Rashad Fenton is going to get tested a little bit. They they like to run several, you know, multiple vertical routes, which are going to pull some safeties out a little bit more, which means that you're going to see Rashad Fenton have to carry some more verticals. I think that he's going to get that opportunity still because Steve Spagnuolo wants to run exotic coverages on the back end. Well, you're not going to see Legereus Sneed in some of those third and long situations. You're going to see Rashad Fenton there. I want him to play physical. I want him to carry well because I think we're going to see a lot more of him as the season goes along. And I want him to have a good game after a little bit of an off game last week against Tampa Bay. Well, my player to watch is Legereus Sneed because I think he should take all of Rashad Fenton's snaps and never look back. <laughs> Legereus Sneed's back from injury now. He's playing a new position. He says he thinks it's made him a better football player. While maybe true, I don't know if it's the best usage of him, but he has still flashed while playing in this kind of slot role. He still looks like Kansas City's most talented cornerback, even though the Chiefs are limiting his reps. They're only playing him in the slot. But this is a week that when they go to this nickel look, when they need to get him on the field, he might get on the field over Juan Thornhill. He might get some coverage reps against KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, even against Noah Fant. I think he has the skill set better than probably anybody else on the team to cover all of these guys when the Chiefs are playing a little bit of man coverage. I like what I've seen from him even out of the slot. I understand why Fenton gets some reps. They trust him a little bit more to know all the calls. I understand kind of why you're going to trust Traverius Ward and Bashad Breland on outside over Legereus Need, but I want to see him get on the field as much as possible. And if that means over Juan Thornhill and over Rashad Fenton, so be it. Get your best cornerback on the field, and I think this is a game where you can challenge him or the Broncos will be able to challenge him with a variety of different wide receivers or tight ends with you include Noah Fant. Mine's Frank Clark. Uh, you know, there's, there's the, the defensive there Frank, Frank Clark, Clark or the offensive Frank Clark? <laughs> yeah, we need the uh, clarification. The the guy, yes, the defensive side. Okay. Frank Clark, yes. Okay, yes. good. Not, good, the, good, not good. the not the lead black blocker on the on the play action, no. Um look, Frank Clark talks about December and January as, you know, as you know, when football, you know, really happens and when, you know, he starts making plays and all that stuff. Well, the clock the calendar turned December. So it's time. Frank Clark, a little bit underwhelming with his pressures. I mean, I, I don't know. Craig probably has his pressure rate off the top of his head, but it's not been what it's just it's over ten percent on the season. Yes, yeah, but not 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 great for several weeks. Not great for several weeks. It needs to change, and it needs to change quickly because the calendars did turn December. There's some big games coming up, and if this team wants to win a Super Bowl, it needs him. It needs Chris Jones. 
to be generating a lot of pressure. They can't try as hard to generate pressure as they have. They need help on the back end covering. And if they can get home with four a little bit more consistently, that's going to be a big thing for this football team moving forward. All right, time for predictions, boys. What we got? The last time these two teams played, there was a special team score. There was a defensive score. Patrick Mahomes threw for 200 yards and one touchdown. That's it. Chad Henney ran for a touchdown because this game was so out of hand that we saw Chad Henney. I fully expect that we're going to see Chad Henney again. I think the Chiefs are going to jump out to a big lead. I think Steve Spagnuolo is probably going to bring a lot of really early pressure, and you're going to see Drew Locke very affected by it. I think he's going to throw some ill-advised passes. I think the Chiefs' secondary is going to get right a little bit more. And while this game may seem like it's a little bit close, like maybe a 20-10 to 10 game at the half, I don't suspect that it's going to finish close. The Chiefs are going to get past that 20-point mark that Kent talked about earlier this season or earlier this episode. The Chiefs win 30-10. to 10. I am about to be all of our listeners' favorite person for I am not <laughs> picking a blowout, thus saving us from the curse. I think the Chiefs are playing a home game before they play two road games against much better opponents. The playoff setting Miami Dolphins and the potential best team in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints. You're coming off of two very big games against the Raiders and the Buccaneers right out of a bye. This game screams Andy Reid, very vanilla play scheme, players not playing up to their highest abilities and getting a C-plus, B-minus level Chiefs performance. On the other hand, the Broncos have been listening to everybody in the world dunk on them for the past week and a half because of exactly. how immature and um, interesting their quarterback room has been. <laughs> they are going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think they are going to come out. They are going to want this a little bit more when the game kicks off. I do think by mid-second quarter, the Chiefs' talent will clearly look like it's better than whatever the Broncos' effort has given you. I just don't think it's going to be a super clean game for the Chiefs all around. I do think their talent, no matter what, overcomes this. I just think it's going to be a little bit closer, a little bit sloppier than fans are going to want from the Super Bowl favorites. Chiefs win 31-20. to Well, I'm picking a blowout then. If you've got the Broncos covering, Chris Jones throws a touchdown pass this week. As predicted by me, uh, I think this game. I I don't I don't see the the Broncos doing much def offensively. Um, I think the Chiefs have done a really good job uh, against the Broncos the last couple years. They have Drew Locke's number. If Drew Locke plays, I don't see it changing. Um, and you know he's he's not going to have a good homecoming again. The offense continues to do what it does. Uh, it might be, it's probably not going to be as explosive as it was last week. I think, you know, the Broncos will probably be content to force them to drive down the field a little bit more, but the Chiefs are going to get their points, uh, and it'll be capped off when it's 31 to 10 late in the fourth quarter, and Chris Jones throws a touchdown pass to make it 38 10, uh, and then a, a garbage time touchdown uh, that all the Broncos fans get really excited about. Uh, and believe that they have their guy at quarterback. 17-38, your Kansas City Chiefs win. That is going to do it for the Game Preview Edition. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check out the AP Laboratory post-game show after the game. We'll catch you later.
it's Shark Week. <laughs>